Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode number 100. We got a lot to get to, but before we get into everything, we just like to ask all of you guys, because Pet said you were going to turn off the podcast before I said this. So we just like to let it be known, the nominations round for the FCAs is going on currently. And if you've seen our page on Twitter, we have consistently been retweeting everybody that has been nominating us for best international podcast. It would be greatly appreciated if you were to do so. We're going to put the format into the description as well. I have been tweeting it out for myself every single day, and I've been getting memed to death because I just pat myself on the back for the award. But you got to do what you got to do in order to win that. So please, if you haven't done so already, if you have multiple Twitter accounts, please do so. It would be greatly appreciated or even do it on Instagram. Um, but other than that, we got a loaded episode today. We have a couple of surprises, a return, um, a great guest as well. So first, we'll talk to the guy that I've just been with the past couple of weeks. It's been it's been miserable. But Pet, how you doing? Oh, fuck me first. Uh, I'm not doing too badly. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting like more movement in the transfer market, but it seems like nobody's mm-hmm. got money. I sent you that Swiss Ramble uh, thread, Still Martino. You didn't read it? Okay, nice. Uh, I sent you like two separate Swiss Ramble threads about Barcelona in the last two months. You've read neither of them. Basically, Barca are fucked to the point that like... Yeah, that's why I didn't have to read it because yeah. anyone could tell you that at this but point. But like their, they... their, their, their players are agreeing like 50% cuts. To, like, it's yeah, Messi went from man. 600 million to 300. Ooh. Yeah, um... yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it's um, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy the amount of uh, the amount of money that they're in debt to. And um, fair play to the Liga, I suppose, for not making any kind of exceptions and, you know, not being strong-armed by one of the bigger clubs in, in the league and making it so you have to be kind of as sustainable as possible to... to Only took them a, over a little a half a decade to do that, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. But um no, I'm doing all right. Um oh, it's crazy that the football season starts so quickly. Like I just I don't know Still if I'm in ready, agony. man. I I just don't know if I'm ready. Like uh, when is football going to stop? Is is what I ask myself. Like when it's are we going to have a extended break? It's not going to happen for ages. The good it? thing so... is the only sport that you follow religiously because yeah. you're not like me in that boat. But another person yeah, yeah, who yeah, follows yeah. other sports religiously, he's finally returned. Matt Santangelo. It's great to be back with you guys, especially for uh, the big episode 100, of course. Um, been monitoring from afar what Milan have been doing. And Pet, as you just alluded to, um, the lack of spending. Um, I think it's pretty obvious, right? There's a couple clubs that have made some seismic splashes, but generally speaking, it's been a little bit tame. I think things will probably open up towards the tail end, maybe some loan options. That's kind of been Milan's uh, recipe for getting deals done here. But uh, everything else, yeah, it's it's been uh, enjoying a little bit of the summer. And of course, as I just said, it's great to be back on with you guys. This is a big episode. And of course, we have everything going on with the SCAs trying to be repeat winners. So as Martino mentioned off the top, please support us in any way you can by uh, nominating us on Twitter. Yes. And now for our guest who is in a garden, I believe, um, according to his last video on, on YouTube. It's Adrian from RTV, Rabona TV on YouTube, over 200,000 subscribers. Adrian, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, and you are correct. I am in a garden once again. That's sort of been the theme of this entire time. Well, I've been on vacation, not on vacation, but visiting family out west, so that's nice. But uh, speaking of vacation, I was finally able to completely unplug for a week 
from football completely. I did not take in any news. I did not take in any transfer news, nothing like that. So I'm playing catch up a little bit right now, but you know, I've, I've kept my eye on what's going on at Benfica with a, you know, a little bit of arrests here and there for our president. So it's, uh, it's all burning over in Lisbon right now. Yeah. yeah so- I actually, Adrian, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry to cut you off, Martino. You know, I'm going to do this right at my first He's turn. back. He's back. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. I actually, I think it was kind of been one of the same, same things for me too, Adrian, just kind of disconnecting from like the whole chaos with the, with the transfer window. And um, I know, many people have been kind of touching base and speaking on this player Milan's linked with, or this player, you know, Juventus is linked with, linked with, and it's the same old BS. So I think it's like a good time to give yourself like a week to just kind of reset, recharge and get ready for the actual games that are, that are coming up around the bend. Oh yeah. hundred percent, man. I, I definitely enjoyed that break away from it. I didn't want to hear about any more Fabrizio Romano or anything like that. So I'm, uh, I'm good to, uh, I'm good to return now. I'll now take in the Fabrizios and the, and the Ornsteins of the world. But, um, but yeah, it was definitely nice to unplug a little bit and just uh, enjoy the other aspects of life. Wait, there's oh, other yeah. aspects of life. Apparently. I, I mean, I discovered a few on my, on my journeys out here. So yeah, there, there is more outside of football. Yeah, Fuck. I'm I'm still the only one here, I believe, that has not gone on vacation yet. So that's not, you know, Pet Pet went to Wales and disappeared for like a, a week. I'm actually or so, going. So. I'm going again at the end of August, not to Wales, but I'm actually traveling abroad for the first time in, for the first time since I went to Lisbon in September 2019. So there we are. Where that's Where are you some... headed to? Montenegro. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Nice. My neighbors are actually there right now. So. Shout out Stefan really? Lovatic. Yeah, say yeah. hello. To <laughs> Shout out Stefan <laughs> Who just got transferred, by the way, I'm pretty sure. He, he was again, yeah. He did. Yeah, I forget the name of the club, but I saw, I saw his name. So. <laughs> <He did it. laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, so speaking of all that, so Adrian, your YouTube channel is massive. It's wildly entertaining. It's informative. Um, how'd you get started with this? What made you want to do this? And how did you blow up? Um, so I worked for another YouTube channel back in the day called Watch Mojo, where I was a video editor and uh, I did sort of like a voiceover and stuff like that. I kind of did everything, script writing, everything. Um, and prior to that, I went to school for broadcast journalism. And so basically, after working at Watch Mojo for a while, you know, as much as I love video games and all that kind of stuff, um, I really wanted to cover football content and the chances to do so were extremely limited there. And mm-hmm. so I sort of you know, in the early mornings, I would get up at like, you know, 4am or whatever to start working on a video for myself and then finish it off in the evening after work. And I just sort of was on that grind for a little while. Um, And then eventually it got to a point where, you know, I was working with Jimmy Conrad, who I'm sure you guys know. um, And he was having me on his channel now and then. Um, And it got to a point where I thought, you know, if I really give this an effort, let's see where it goes and so i did that and i uh i moved back in with my parents with my girlfriend and we sort of uh <laughs> just so we could not pay rent for a while and uh, really give this a good shot and it just continued to grow and grow from there and i sort of learned as i went but um so far so good man i'm 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 still shocked that it, i've been able <laughs> to sort of make a living doing this it's it's bizarre yeah it's, only it's, starting it's, out though. it's 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 a real um uh, euphoric feeling isn't it that the kind of sudden realization that um 
you don't really need anyone else but your your own talents to kind of um go and do stuff it's you know i can speak from experience in, in having to do the whole side hustle thing at the same time i remember telling friends who were kind of like oh pet like you're doing really well but it's like yeah because i get home at like 6 30 after work and then i record a podcast and then i eat dinner and then i go to sleep like three times a week so yeah. you know it's 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 a hard grind but i wanted to ask you like what was what was the kind of moment where you you realized or knew that this was going to be the thing you did for, for for the for the future really like when's the moment where you you were like okay crap like this is making me enough money and i'm getting enough exposure for me to actually do this full time i would say that that was about two years after i had gone sort of all in on it so let's say it was in 2019 and the moment that i had the realization that shit i can actually make a living doing this and i'm actually doing what I want to, you know, being a journalist in quotation marks and creating content surrounding football was when one football, one of the sponsors that I've worked with plenty of times, um, they actually sent me to go and watch Benfica down in San Jose, California. And I was like, that was bizarre, you know, getting sent to go and watch the team that I enjoy and to produce a video around that was just insane for me. It was my first time ever seeing Benfica play as well. So that was huge. And that's when I sort of got a little bit more wind in my wings if you will a little bit more motivation from that and uh i just started really you know this is a business where you get what you put into it you know you get out of it what you put into it and that's when i really had that sort of realization and that i can sort of i'm at a point now where i have some notoriety i think i was still under a (laughs) hundred thousand subscribers at that time but um i at least was known in the football community on youtube a little bit so i figured if i just continue to push this then let's see how far it can go and 200,000. It's weird, but um, yeah, it's, I'm just having a blast, man. I'm just trying to enjoy it as much as I can and try to continue, uh, continue trying to evolve the content, which has been difficult (laughs) in the last little, last little bit here with how busy I was with euros and on vacation Mm -hmm. and everything. But man, the season ahead, I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Because you're, you're coming up on like of, uh, five years, right? Success stories too, um, like of younger creators, right? I mean, obviously, IFTV is is one big example. Um, mm-hmm. The collaborations they've done, the glow up they've had over the past couple of years, and we've been all been able to monitor that. But Uncle Sharma, I know he was on your uh, your your two channel, Adrian, a couple of weeks ago. Maybe actually no, maybe like late May, early June, if I'm correct. Talk yep. about Inter Conte and all that stuff, and of course your channel. So it's kind of great to see a lot of people create a lane for themselves and and get that success and that backing and support because you know there's many creators out there that do truly create um fantastic content and they're consistent which is obviously a big ingredient in why you're you know at 200k so so kudos to you yeah yeah thank you man i think that you know consistency is always the thing that people talk about as being the number one thing when you're when you're trying to grow an audience or a community or whatever it is behind you and that's absolutely a huge aspect of it but i found that you know, once you get to a point where you have a decent following, you can be a little bit more choosy on the topics that you will cover. Um, I don't have to get into the histrionics of everything all the time. I don't have to be as clickbaity anymore. Of course, I mean, come on, you got You got to throw a little bait in there now and then, you know, you got to get those clicks as everyone does on the internet. But um, yeah, it's consistency is absolutely a massive part of it. And speaking of collaborating with with users such as Uncle Sharma, I've always been a real believer of that numbers aren't representative of quality. So that's yeah. why I have people like, you know, anyone really. There's some guys that I have on my channel that don't even have a YouTube following. That's not what I'm out there to do when it comes to collaborating. And it's all about just collaborating with the right people. And just because you have, you know, 500 followers on Twitter 
200 followers on Twitter, it doesn't really matter. If, as long as you have something good to say or you have some sort of wisdom to impart, then you're certainly welcome on the channel, you know? Pat, you're on mute. Oh, I was on mute. Uh, sorry, no, I was I was just saying, you know, like you're coming up to five years now. It's uh, it's awesome, the dedication to... I think people really only ever see the, the good side, right? Like the, the two years that you mentioned of... Uh, you know not probably not making that much money and like blah 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 like people don't really see that side of the story which is um it's kind of like when people see companies glow up and they and from the outside everyone sees this like kind of shiny polished brand but on the inside they're kind of like scrambling to get things done every day and every you know week but it's the same with content creators who are kind of you have to be the ceo you have to be the cfo you have to be the cmo of yourself you are a business and it's uh it's a super difficult thing to, to achieve so so kudos to you and i think um one of your, one of the most recent things you've covered and i think everyone's been covering is um rafael varan seems as though this is a go matt and i mean a lot of people are saying it's a bargain for 34 million pounds plus add-ons so who knows what they could be but i think he's gonna make an absurd amount of money i think his agent and himself are gonna get some big signing on fees so is there more to meet than what meets the eye to this transfer from a financial perspective and then we can talk about kind of how he fits in from a footballing one well i think with with this sort of move obviously at at the at face value it's it's a fantastic move before the player even steps on the pitch right he even pulls on the new jersey right because we obviously know he's accomplished right he's world cup winner he's been into a euro final he's won several champions league titles at a very young age with real madrid so he's accomplished quite a bit and he's still pretty much in his prime years. Uh, but as you just mentioned, right, there's uh, maybe the, uh, a smaller fee for a player of his caliber playing his position, of course, in, in defense. But to your point, high wages. And we saw what happened with Alexis Sanchez, right? Everyone said, this is a, this is a, a hit. There's no, there's no downside to this move. But of course, the fee, the cost of a move like this only kind of you know, comes, into, comes into play if the player fails. If Ron goes to Manchester United and he brings stability, solidity, and pretty much is mirroring everything he did at Real Madrid and for his country, then no one's going to say anything, right? But if he flops and he doesn't take to the Premier League like a duck to water, people are going to look at this and say, how much are they tying into this player? What was the fee? Could they have gotten somebody else? Should they have stuck with Lindelof and maybe went in another direction? But as I see it right now uh, in this market, I think it's a pretty solid move when you consider the fact that you, like we said off the top, there's not a lot of clubs spending tons of money um, and you see what other central defenders have gone for, right? Tomori for 28 million. You're seeing a Konate is another one who went for um, a pretty significant fee, right? So, um, and Upamakano. So when you kind of lump all those things in to get a player of Baran's ilk for that fee is pretty solid. But again, we'll have to wait and see how he performs on the field. Yeah. So talking about on the field, I think it's pretty obvious what he brings. But Adrian, you and I were kind of talking about this over DM. I don't want to tease your next um, <laughs> video um, to that extent. I'll let you do that if it's okay. But financially, they bring that up when we see what other defenders are going for and what he just went for, all that he's accomplished in his career, and he's still just 28 years of age. Why do this if you're Real Madrid? What is the plus side to this, especially when you're selling for that number? Yeah, I mean, I think that Real Madrid are sort of 
their their main goal it's no secret right now is to get Kylian Mbappe whether that's at the end of this transfer market or next summer whenever that may be but they're sort of the question is were they sort of forced into making this sale and in a sense yes it was no question that they needed to sell players just as Barcelona did in order to meet those sort of La Liga economic controls you know with the wage limits that they have um, so there was that aspect plus Varane was in the final year of his contract so you're always going to get a bit of a discount there as well and you know it's sort of this perfect mix of not many people have money, so prices are going to be a little bit lower. He's in his final year of his contract. Plus, Real Madrid, you know, they're almost thankful that Barcelona's financial situation is so bad because it's sort of masking how poor theirs is as well. But to their credit, Florentino Perez has, you know, love him or hate him. <laughs> I think the consensus <laughs> leans harshly in one way. Um, but I think that he's done a fairly good job as far as sort of controlling the finances, at least to a better degree than they have done at FC Barcelona. You know, he hasn't been afraid of selling players when they need to raise money. You know, Sergio Reguillon and Hakimi, I'm sure those are two players they probably would have liked to keep around. But they ultimately sold them and they got some good money for him. They loaned out Gareth Bale to sort of, Get, only have to pay 50%, which is still a great, great amount of money that they had to pay of his wages. But still, he made that move. They had a couple of transfer windows where they weren't even really bringing in any players, you know? So I think that we can give him some credit there. But Manchester United was definitely able to sort of exploit that situation. And with their new director of football, John Murtaugh, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, um, it seems like he has a bit of bit of business savvy. He, uh, he got that Sancho deal done and dusted, although I'm sure that was pretty much advanced to a point where he just had to get the final number and he got this Varane deal wrapped up seemingly pretty quickly as well. Yeah. Considering after an international tournament like that, and we've seen a lot of transfers drag out. um, I thought, I thought he got it done relatively quick and even, even, you know, like the fees with installments and stuff like that, because it's funny because you see Perez pay hundred million euros for Hazard not too long ago. And he's able to get, Varane and I know it's a different player different position and the value's different but if he was willing to you know part with 100 million euros for one and then you know you kind of get that fee there I I just think I think it was a great job by United um any matter pet anything else left on on the Varane topic before we move on here I just wanted to say on on the age side of things that, that Matt mentioned he is a good age but he has played a ton of football like, yeah. I think I saw... Did anyone see that graph of if Yuri Tielemans plays 4,000 minutes this season, he'll he be, he'll have as many minutes as the yeah. average 31-year-old in their career? He's playing, like, full-time... <laughs> when he was at Anderlecht, he was playing, yeah. like, 30-something games at, like, 17 years old. Yeah, but, I mean, if you look at Rafa Varane, he's yeah. been doing it since, what, 17, eight, uh, 17, 18? So we're talking 10, 11 years of top-flight football. That's usually a player's career. So right. I, I want to I see how his body holds up in, in, in the UK. Um, obviously, okay. like, we've had, we've had situations like Thomas Partey, who comes over to England where he's never been injured before, comes over, gets his first ever injuries, I think is probably an Arsenal thing. But um, it can mm-hmm. happen, right, where you get to a certain age, you've played a load of football, um, and your body just doesn't work as well as it used to. But, I mean, for his sake, and obviously for United's sake, I, I hope it does. He's obviously played predominantly on the right side of the fence, both for um, France next to, you know, Imtiti at the World Cup success, and then more recently uh, this summer with Kimpembe, um, and then with Real Madrid, obviously, with Big Sergio, who who likes to play on the left side of defence. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to complement Harry Maguire really well, being able to sweep up um, the blockhead when he goes up for headers. Nearly 32,000 minutes. 
He's 85 yeah. minutes away in his career. Like, yeah. That's including every competition. So, I mean, that that's all you need to know there. Um, shall we stick to the defensive side of things with topics, gentlemen? Because um, there is one that – his name's kind of been floated up in the air, Matt, first, and then we'll let Adrian discuss it. Mm-hmm. Demiral. Um, had a good start to Juve um, when he signed there. Had the ACL injury, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's taken him a bit of time to come back. And Pet, Pet was even, like, asking me this. I don't think it has anything it's reflective of his quality as to why it hasn't really taken off at Juve. You're behind two legendary center backs and then Matthias Delict, who is probably on his way to being one of those. Um, so it's a really difficult situation for him. We know their financial situation where you would have thought talks for a player like Manuel Locatelli would have progressed and been done by now at this point, even if he's on holiday with Sassuolo, given the relationship between the two clubs. Is he the sacrificial lamb? Because we brought in this up, we brought this up in past episodes that hey, if they have to raise funds, if you can't sell Cristiano Ronaldo, if you're not selling Paulo Dybala, like where are you getting the money from? He seems to be the odd man out, and there's there's whispers of Dortmund and other clubs in the mm-hmm. Premier League as well. I think he's probably that guy to go. And and do you think it's a wise move for Juve? Because Bonucci isn't that young. He's getting paid a lot of money. Chiellini seemingly probably going into the last year of his career at club level. Would you do this? Um, I'm looking at Juve's situation. Um, and I'm thinking that maybe Demiral is a player they can find a way to keep. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be easy because of their financial situation that you just mentioned. Tied to the, the, the money that's you know going to Ronaldo. But Frabota, right? That's a player that um, you know Juventus fans have liked quite a bit. What he has been accomplishing the past season, I would say, it's maybe season and a half. Um, in glimpses, of course, obviously he's not getting a ton of minutes, but when he has played, he's he's shown some things. There's interest with several clubs in Serie A, right? So this is a model that I think Juventus have been following for a little while now. They'll kind of be able to get plus Florenza and, and recoup some funds on academy players that maybe have no future um, in the first team or really, you know, making a big impact with Juventus. So I could see him being sold maybe in like a, a sale, complete outright sale with a buyback, you know, that, that's kind of how they operate. But I think they did it with Orsolini um, to Bologna, if I'm correct. I think they have a couple options in there. So that's a possibility there. Um, as far as Demiral goes, I think that the, you mentioned it, the injury, right? And I think he actually got injured from correct Martino in the same game that Zaniolo um, retore his ACL the second time. If I'm correct, you don't hold me um, to that. It was an international game when Zaniolo did. No, no, I'm sorry. There was another instance where he got injured in the same game against Roma, and I don't know if it was a long-term injury or he was out for three, four months. But there was a big injury to his his legs there, um, and he was playing pretty well for for Juve. I think he was starting games. But um, mm-hmm. getting back to just kind of circling back around here. We saw how well Bonucci and Chiellini played. They still have some, maybe some years left in them. And then you mentioned Delict, right? Who's probably going to, you know, take that baton. It was Zaniolo. Yeah. So I think there is, I think that Juve would prefer to keep Demiral if I think, if I'm just putting their hat on for a moment, but I think that's a, a direct route for them to re, re to gain some funds to get this Locatelli deal over the line. Um, and I don't see them being that busy, right? I think Allegri likes a lot of the players that are in this squad currently because he actually brought them in, right? Bernadeschi was one that everyone thought it was going to be a no-brainer sold. Had a glimpses at the Euro. Obviously, you know, you got the Euro effect, the pump in his confidence. Maybe he has another season at Juve. So I don't well, yeah. a lot of exits for Juve, but I think there's got to be one sacrificial lamb. And if it's not for Abrota being enough, 
then I could see it being Demiral because I think Demiral has that ability to play consistently at a higher level for a pretty, pretty sizable club. So um, I think it's obviously something to monitor. One of those sizable clubs that's been linked to him, Adrian, has been Dortmund. Um, if anyone's watched Dortmund the past, you know, 12, 18 months or so, Pet and I say it all the time. Good Lord, it is a horrific defensive side, like really abysmal. Um, especially for the level that they should be playing at. Do you like the fit if he were to potentially go there? Yeah, I think so. I think that Demerol, as as you guys were sort of alluding to, back when he was, before his knee injury, he was doing extremely well at Juventus, in my opinion. You guys would know this better than I, because you watch far more Serie A. But um, I, I, yeah, and I think that, you know, since he's returned from his injury, maybe he he hasn't been able to refine that form, recapture that form just yet. It was hard to sort of judge him on that Euros performance because I think Turkey was one of the biggest flops of the entire tournament. Um, but I think that going to Dortmund, as you said, it is a horror show to watch them defensively at times. Now, I think that with Mats Hummels returning, they have improved a little bit, but even Hummels is you know, he's not a perfect defender anymore. He does provide that leadership quality. He does provide that sort of winning mentality, but the organization at the back can, can be a little bit poor. And I think also that comes back to the goalkeepers that they've had over the past few seasons. I don't think that they've been at the level that, you know, even going back to Roman Weidenfeller when he was back at Dortmund a hundred million years ago. So I think that that's an area where it needs to be their focus. And Marco Rosa does have some sorting out to do there. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching Dortmund. Would Demerol be an instant fit? I think so. I think that he's an upgrade on quality from what they have there already. Um, you know, Akanji can be a little bit hit or miss sometimes. Um, and there's always the chance of an injury to one of Hummels or Akanji at the back as well. So I think that Demerol, they do need depth in that position. I know that they're looking at trying to bring in another attacker as well to fill in for Sancho because it's, you know, Malin might be more of a second striker type of option up there with Holland. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think their priority is probably still going to be on the wing because that always seems to be Dortmund's priority is in the attack and bringing in these young attacking players and sort of neglecting the back a little bit. But um, yeah, I think that Demerol should, in my opinion, be one of their priorities. Yeah. Um, What kind of fee do you think he goes for? Somewhere between 30 to 40, I think, I think euros, I think would probably be the number at least 30. I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, uh, Martina tried to gag me on this, but there's also also, um, rumors that Daniele Regani could be going to Lazio, for example. So um, there is is a lot going on, right, in terms of Juventus' defense uh, and and who might be there as as the, you know, three or four centre-backs, because presuming Max Allegri won't be playing three at the back. Um, Well, you never know. Um, But Demiral, yeah, I mean, he had a poor Euros, as did the whole Turkey squad. There's some good players there, but just for one reason or another, didn't didn't click. And Demerel, I, I think when I look at Dortmund's defence, I think um, Adrian mentioned Manuel Akanji, there's obviously uh, Dan Alex, Axel Zagadou. Um, I kind of place Demerel defensively, probably a bit better than both of those guys, but on the ball, mm-hmm. I think those two are, are probably a bit better. And obviously you'd think that Mats Hummels is, is probably still going to start for Dortmund for at least another season, um, even though, I mean, defensively, I think he's he's kind of all over the shop, especially this past couple of years. Um, but I, I mean, if they pay 30 million euros for Demerel, he's not, not going to start. Right. In fact, mm-hmm. it might even mean that, that one of those other centre backs end up leaving. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure it'll have to transpire within the coming weeks. Hugh Ray is apparently having more talks with Sassuolo, so I'm sure that'll drag out. If they get some sort of formula, that's more in their favor. I think you could potentially see something where it's Rugani on the way out, maybe some lesser players than they're able to keep Demiral, which would be a win for Hugh Ray at the end of the day, but I hope I don't see that. Hey guys, before we let you resume the rest of the episode, we just want to let you know that we're sponsored by two separate companies, and the first one is Manscaped. Do you know that the Olympics, Heroes, Baseball, and Major Championships and Concerts are all in this summer? You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with the help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why don't you treat your pubes like an Olympic gold medal? Fellas, do right by your balls and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going with the code FANSIDED20. There's a bunch of positives that you can get when you have the Lawnmower 4.0. It has 7,000 RPM motor with a new multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock. It gives you the ability to turn on a 4,000K LED spotlight on and off needed for the most precise shave did i mention the trimmer is waterproof as well so bring it in with the shower with you you could wash you could shave in the shower at the same time michael phelps is just drooling at the possibilities of this this package also comes with a weed whacker you chop your worst weeds up top in both your nose and your ears you get everything cleared up when you go out for the first time maybe in the pandemic maybe the first time since you got your vaccine make sure you're all good and groomed to go there again you get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the fan code fansided20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. And lastly, our other sponsor is brought to you by So Rare. It's a global blockchain fantasy game. So Rare is a fantasy game of soccer or football or culture where players buy, sell, and trade and manage a virtual team with digital player cards. If you use our link today and buy five new cards from the primary market, both individual cards and bundles, then you get one free Rare card. So head on over there in the description of the episode, as always, is the link to that. So check out So Rare. Check out Manscaped. Fansided20 is the code. Other than that, enjoy the rest of the episode with Adrian. Adrian, this is right in your wheelhouse. Noon Mensch. Did I say it correct? Because I've been watching a lot of... I don't know if you know that guy, FC Wonderkid, where he pronunciates all these uh, Portuguese names. Like, super, super emphasis on, on like, you know, the Portuguese, like, accent. Um, If anyone hasn't seen that, uh, I would... uh, I would go tell you to go check those out. But this has this guy has been so highly touted. I like the hype around the surrounding this kid is just insane. Links to Manchester City. What can you tell us about him? Well, he's an excellent, excellent young player, and it certainly seems like he's going to be the next big sort of uh, export from the Portuguese league, <laughs> one of many over the last few seasons. But um, yeah, he did extremely well at sporting in his first real season of top flight football under Ruben Amarim. Nice young coach, former Benfica player, I might add. Um, but he's doing really well at sporting and he implemented all of the youth in sporting's team, which they 
desperately needed because everybody knows that in the past they had such a great academy, but it just seemed like they weren't really getting the opportunities that they deserved. And so Nuno Mendes was one of those players that Ruben Amarim fit into his 3-4-3 system. He plays wide on the left, which is uh, an area that Manchester City fans have sort of been begging for, for a new left back or a new left wing back or whatever um, for the past few seasons, whether it's Mendy or or Zinchenko to be fair to Zinchenko he's been doing well in the last season or so but um, it's still an area that I think they want another backup to and Nuno Mendes would be perfect for that he's great going forward um, he usually plays as a wing back he's uh, he, I mean he's everything that you want out of a modern fullback right great on the ball very fast solid defensively he has very good vision I think that You know, seeing him play for the Portuguese national side just sort of emphasize further just how mature he is and how smart he is on the ball as well. Even, you know, he's even though he's only 19 years old. So to be able to lock down a talent like that for whether it's Manchester City or whoever, I think uh, it's going to be lucrative because that's one of the positions that has become so important in modern football is the fullbacks. And um, I think that he's. I wouldn't say that he's the next big thing necessarily as far as the left back position, because he certainly has some competition from the likes of Alfonso Davies, Canada's own. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's one that I'm going to be eagerly watching and hopefully someone will take him out of the Portuguese league so he can stop torching the flags against Benfica. Yeah. And it looks like with city too, you can see uh, a potential uh, Yao Cancelo and Mendes, um, trying to make sure I get it pronounced myself <laughs> a combination there. Right. But there's, there's obviously going to be a big fee that comes with this. Right. I think the the number I saw swirling around about his, his uh, buyout clause is 50 million. Right. If that's, that's correct. Right. Something around that would probably be the number it takes to, to bring him from sporting to um, a city or some of these other, cl- other clubs. But um, it's funny. We actually had a conversation months and months ago with Cristiano Oliveira um, who obviously is a, ben, a big Benfica guy himself. And he was kind of siphoning through some of these Portuguese names as well. And we talked a little bit about uh, uh, Mendes um, and some of the other players coming up. But I just think it's really fascinating how cities started to really build this sort of nucleus of players within this team that, that have origins and ties to uh, Portuguese football, right? Ederson, you have Bernardo Silva, you have Cancelo, you have Ruben Diaz, and you could potentially have another one here. So is there anything, I mean, from to, to your knowledge, um, that goes into their scouting, right? Is there something that they look forward specifically when they go to the Portuguese league? Is there a reason why they have such an attraction to the Portuguese league for some of their players? Well, I think that the Portuguese league via, you know, at first, like I was saying, it was Sporting's Academy that was getting a lot of the love for pl- bringing out players like Simon Sabrosa, Luis Figo, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ricardo Quaresma back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but lately, it's been Benfica who's had their turn of sort of having a, a golden generation, if you will. I hate throwing that word around, but a golden generation of talent coming through the ranks with João Felix, etc. lately. So I think that what Manchester City likes and what Pep Guardiola in particular likes is the technical ability of the players that are coming out of Portugal mm-hmm. um, because they seem to, I mean, Portugal, you know, whether it's U21s or U19s or whatever, European Championships, World Cups, they typically have a pretty good run in that as well. So there's some of the top talents in world football at this moment um, but I think that what City in particular like, and it's it's the technical ability of all these players and sort of the um, adaptability of them, because there's a lot of wingers slash fullbacks that come out of Portugal, you know, that have either adapted from one position or the other. 
And um, yeah, I think that's what they like. I, I'm getting sick of seeing the let's just make Benfica part of the Manchester City system. It's it's getting old now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. I think you're spot on as far as the technical side of things, right? I think, you know, it takes a very specific player from a technical standpoint to fit within Pep's system. Um, and sometimes if it takes one or two seasons for that player to mesh, to jive, and to ultimately have his footprint in that squad, Again, like we saw at Cancelo, right? First season, he really didn't wasn't the, the immediate starter. He played a couple games here and there. He was kind of in and out. But eventually, it's kind of you have to trust in the process, trust in the system, trust in the fact that Pep's going to give you that opportunity to to play when he sees fit. And eventually, you're going to become um, the, a key man for them. So, um, but yeah, the whole Benfica thing and making them part of the system. But a lot of people probably speaking as a joke. But I think it just it, it, it's it's if you look at it, you can look at it negatively, but you can also look at it positively and say, well, Portuguese, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a nationality is one of the hottest commodities you can find for a footballer, right? And I think it's, it's flattering, but I think at the same time, it's like you don't want to get this perception of being um, like a feeder club because Benfica have a rich history. They're a very successful club. They've won quite a bit and they produce top talent. So you, don't, you want to be a team that can produce and keep and also aim high and win things, right? Because I have a friend of mine that I speak to often, um, and he's a big, a big Benfica fan. I think he's actually in Portugal right now. And he wants that. That's what kind of frustrates him too, is that he wants to be able to have a, a squad that's capable of retaining these players and building a team that can compete in the Champions League and make deep runs. Is there any reason that can happen? What, what, what are the reasons why we're not seeing some of these clubs in Portugal that had, you know, rich histories, like Porto, for instance, um, not be able to replicate maybe what they did in years past where they built good projects, sustainable projects, and be able to make deep runs in these main European competitions. Yeah, I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That's one of the most frustrating aspects for any supporter of the of the big clubs in Portugal that, you know, have a chance of making it into Europe is that, as soon as we have, you know, a good bit of talent, like Ronaldo Sanchez is, is one of the prime examples of that. He had one full season at Benfica for the senior side. And then after that Euro, he was off to Bayern Munich just immediately. So the talent, it's, I think that there's a mix of a few things. Of course, there's George Mendes, who is, you know, <laughs> super agent extraordinaire. And he has his fingerprints all over all of the top talent that comes out of Portugal. And as you guys know, he's been a master of getting these extortionate fees, these massive pumped up fees for young talent before they even have a chance to establish themselves. So that's one of the things is the, is the club see a quick payout. Um, and these Portuguese clubs, they don't have, you know, Portugal is not an extremely rich nation at all. So when you have someone willing to pay 35 million for a guy that had one season and you don't know whether he's going to be good as good next season or if he's going to completely fall off, oftentimes the decision is to take that payout immediately. So that's one aspect. And then the other aspect that I can speak to for Benfica in particular is we have or we had, I can now finally say, an extremely corrupt president who's now facing charges of uh money laundering, tax fraud, etc. So in football, really? No. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's it's a shock. It's a shock. Um but he uh he for all the good that he did for the club, you can see that there's, you know, all these fees. I think Benfica garnered close to a billion pounds in in transfer fees over the last decade or something like that. 
And where's that money going? It's not going into transfers very often, at least. Um, maybe it's going into the academy, but as soon as we have a good academy product, they're shipped out immediately just to make more money. And so it's, it's this thing of, you know, players want to go abroad because they want to play for these big clubs, but Benfica isn't necessarily doing all that they can in order to keep them in order to sweep the pot, so to speak, so that they'll end up staying. And I think that that is ultimately why Benfica is unable to build a team and, and Porto and sporting, whoever it may be in order to build a team that is actually capable of challenging in Europe. Again, we've had so many promises of a European Benfica as, as our former president used to say, but the European Benfica, as you guys have seen, has been flopping in the group stages or down into the Europa league or making it just to the round of 16 and they're out immediately and that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a talent retention thing. There's a bit of a corruption aspect to it as well. It's a, (laughs) it honestly, Portuguese football needs a Netflix documentary series on it because it would be wild. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. Because it's so funny every time you saw all the sales go through and you're like, okay, so you easily reinvest all of it and then you'll be competing at the top. And that's just not the case. I can't I can't even imagine how frustrating that is because even in Serie A football, it's a little similar. There's some parallels you could draw, but still not to that level and magnitude. Um, so before we wrap up, there's one last player and we're sticking to Portugal um, and your club. I don't want to. I don't want to botch this. It's a great name. I'm just gonna <laughs> let you take care of it, Adrian, and uh, you discuss them. Uh, so take it away. Yeah. So one of our goalkeepers, Odysseus Vlakadimos, he has been linked to Lille, who you guys have recently taken away their first choice keeper, Mike Menyan. So he looks like he might be the uh, the guy who fills in that spot. But I mean, Lille have another good keeper. I can't remember his name. He used to play in the Portuguese league. I think it's like Beto or something like that. Um, I can't remember who it is. You, you guys can fact check me on that one. Um, but yeah, Odysseus Vlacodimos, he sort of lost his starting place at Benfica last season uh, because we had Diogo Leite, a very, very tall, big, pretty good young Portuguese keeper. Um, and But Odysseus, for me, it was one of those situations where you feel bad for the keeper because it's not that they're poor necessarily. It's not that they have done anything to warrant losing their first place. But he... Uh, it's just that Diogo Leite has been so, so good for Benfica. So what could Lille be getting out of this keeper? They would get a keeper who is an excellent shot stopper um, and a guy who needs to improve a little bit at the aspects of the game where he comes out to collect crosses. I would have a heart attack every single time he would come out for a <laughs> corner kick or to try and collect a cross from a free kick or to punch something away. Um, he definitely struggles with set pieces. Definitely, definitely. There is... There's been times where, I mean, there's an iconic goal that he let in against Belenenses a few seasons ago where he sort of put his arms up as if the ball was going out and it just bounced into the corner of the goal. And he's come close to doing that a few times. But thankfully, he hasn't done that in a couple of years. Um, He's definitely improved on his shot stopping. Um, He's excellent at that. I think that he will struggle when the ball is at his feet and from crosses. But uh, overall, I would say a decent signing. Is he good enough to be the number one at Lille? Potentially. I mean, you're now talking about walking into the top team, at least based on results last season in France. So, yeah, I think that I think that a lot of Benfica supporters will be split on whether they want him to leave or not, because having, you know, having two good options and for your keeper is is sort of a rare scenario these days. I feel like it's not Mm -hmm. often that you have two good first choice um, goalkeepers. So I think that it would be a definite good signing for one, 
Yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, if I may, Benfica just signed uh, Mete. And I was wondering, yeah. what can I what can I expect from this guy? All right. So um, he was a Geoffrey Moncada um, signing way back in Monaco and that um, he was a player under, you know, Marco Giampaolo in Torino. Um, obviously, I won't I won't let Matt get angry over him because he's obviously like the disaster manager for Milan, even though it's, you know, it's been like that for almost a decade. So rotational type of player in Serie A. He was someone who needed to step in and, and, and play some minutes when Benacer was missing matches and stuff like that. Um, it's more of a defensive midfielder role. He's prone to, to mistakes at times. He's strong. He's, he's just nothing special. He's just a good rotational piece. I, I think he, I think he could do okay at a club like Benfica, but he's not a starter material. I, I think if he's starting for you guys, it's, probably not a good situation if that were to go down i think i think at the end of the day i think it would just be a serviceable guy that when players need rest if benfica is playing in uh european tournaments or there's some cup matches he's he's the perfect player that you want filling in um he he was up and down he had some good matches but then there were some really poor ones he had some harsh criticism because uh stefano pioli played him as a number 10 against atalanta which was one of the more disastrous moves you could have made last season um but all in all what what was the fee you guys ended up getting for him oh it was pretty low i think um it's looking like 6.6 million dollars on transfer mark so whatever yeah, that Mil- is I milan think- milan declined like an eight or nine million euro option for him um because i think they wanted to look in another direction i i, I think at the end of the day as long as he's not your starting man and you don't have to depend upon him for every single match day then it's a then it's a decent signing. It's nothing too sexy. It's nothing awful. But you know, you need guys who need to play a lot. It's going to be another condensed season once again. You know, so um, bodies are bodies at this point. So I think I think it'll be a pretty decent signing for Benfica. Yeah, I'm hoping so. That's definitely a position that has. I mean, we have Julian Weigel, of course, who's been excellent at Benfica. I was so surprised when Benfica signed him from Dortmund, but. Um, you know, everyone else that sort of tried to play in that central midfield position has struggled a little bit. And I was sort of surprised to see it because I thought that one of another one of our young players, Florentino, I thought that he was going to be given more opportunities this season. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, he was linked to Milan. Uh, Florentino was it's, someone actually, it's funny, I actually saw this as a little story here. Um, I, he actually came to, the, it was Benfica versus Fiorentina at the, for the ICC in Harrison, New Jersey, Red Bull Arena. And they had a, uh, training session at Rutgers University, open open session. There were tons of fans from Benfica obviously came to watch. And Florentino Luis was one of the hot players that everyone was trying to get autographs with and all that stuff. Um, and I remember the links to him, right? I think Milan were, were, were heavy after him because of that position they wanted to fill. Um, and then he went to Monaco, I think, right? I think he went to Monaco and I haven't really heard much about him. But um, yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to see how he does. Obviously, um, a lot of talent from from Benfica and Renato Sanchez is proof, right? You know, there's a player that maybe makes a big move. He doesn't quite hit the ground running, finds his way back into top form, and now he's regained that potential. So um, I'm speaking on Luis here, not Nete. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Guys, Um, breaking news. Apparently Monaco want to sign Joe Willock. How fucking weird is that? (laughs) Like Honestly, four? anytime, anytime <laughs> a club that's not from the Premier League sign, signs a guy named Joe, I'm 
baffled. No, but seriously, like how <laughs> how like, weird would that be? Honestly, it's like something you see in career mode, like you're playing your career, mode. like oh Joe Willick for like twenty million to like Monaco. It's like what? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that would be great alone with a I don't know. Let's see. I mean, Ted doesn't Newcastle... talk for twenty minutes, and that's what he's got for us. Yeah, I mean, sorry, that's it. Um, that's all I've got for you guys. Joe Willick apparently to Monaco. Watch this space. <laughs> all right so we're winding down with time here um we're gonna actually beat the timer this uh time so uh, we won't have it. to hear that um i know pet doesn't like hearing it at all um so yeah adrian we want to thank you so much for coming on with us especially for our 100th episode so special uh matt we're doing i told you i put it in post man uh what's that message um so so yeah um we really appreciate you coming on helping us out um giving us all this great information your youtube channel is terrific um go ahead plug it once again your social media everything's going to be in the description of uh the episode as well but maybe if you wanted to tease what's coming up next on your youtube channel so people can be uh ready to go and watch yeah well first of all thank you for allowing me to fourth wheel on this 100th episode i very much appreciate it this was a lot of fun um and it's been a long time coming i feel like i've been listening along and wanting to just waiting for the invite so thank you for finally getting me on here um but uh as for the youtube channel yeah it's just Rowan tv the next video that i'm working on is going to be something surrounding jurgen klopp and his nice. sort of beginnings as a manager so i'm uh, i'm really looking forward to that one i've been reading bring the noise by raf honigstein lately and really enjoying it so uh i'm itching to do something on klopp that's another one of those managers that i've just been waiting for the right video to do on him mm. and uh, i found it now i think so i i assume there's going to be some Arrigo saki uh, footnote in there I'm yes sir yes, there will be yes <laughs> i remember one of his post interviews that he had when he when he was with liverpool he was talking about that um yeah and then just on twitter as well and everything um guys go and subscribe i mean i on the road to 300k now at this point it's uh it's a phenomenal accomplishment you're only going to continue to grow from there uh help them get to 10k as well on twitter we, we already got matt to uh to 10k so now we have to keep on progressing everyone else um speaking of matt go ahead and, and plug all, all your stuff as well twitter at matt underscore santangelo that's it. <laughs> you can follow him on there. Over 10k followers. Pet at Pet Barisha on Twitter. P e t b e r i s h a. Yeah. Um. Other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Please follow at State of Play Pod. Remember, nominate us for best international podcast for the FCAs. We want to actually head to London this time. I'm gonna freak out if another variant prevents us from getting to London and. <laughs> And, you know, uh, quite honestly, I hope that isn't the case, but I hope we get nominated. I hope we can win again. Um, we really appreciate all of the support, um, even if you're just replying to other people's tweets that have nothing to do with the FCA nominations. Um, we appreciate you tweeting it out regardless. Those are all my friends that have been doing that. Um, and on Instagram as well, we'll be sharing all of that. Um, yeah, 100 episodes. Just really like to thank everyone from the following uh, that we've gained um, 90 minute football network that has been posting everything and picked us up. It's been a pleasure to be a part of that. Um, hopefully there's many more episodes to come. We thank Adrian once again for hopping on with us. It's great to have Santangelo back with us and pet um, take a break from football for a little bit before uh, you have to deal with Arsenal for a full season. Oh, once again. God, man. Um, yeah. Other than that, you guys can listen to some walking. Oh.